The information provided herein is for training and educational purposes only and is not for solicitation. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. Johnson Wealth and Income Management and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are not associated entities. Welcome to the Capitalized Life and Retirement Program, brought to you by the Retirement Income Store and Matthew Johnson, owner of Johnson Wealth and Income Management and author of The Capitalized Life. Are you living the life you want? Are you as prepared for retirement as you believe you should be? What are your goals for retirement and how are you going to reach them? In the next 30 minutes of today's program, let's explore the principles necessary to live the capitalized life and the retirement of your dreams. And welcome to the Capitalized Life and Retirement Show. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson, president and owner of Johnson Wealth and Income Management. Hope you're having a fantastic morning this Saturday morning. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. Remember that each one of our episodes are powered by the Retirement Income Store. If you haven't looked up the Retirement Income Store, I encourage you to do it. A wealth of information, information that could help you in your endeavor to be the most successful retiree possible. Now, let's talk about some of the dangers that we need to be really careful to avoid within the world of investing. You know, obviously, we have to be very, very careful of thinly traded investments. We have to be very, very careful of, say, different types of investment contracts, such as annuities that could be charging extremely high fees or have extremely long surrender charges. There's even all sorts of private investments that we have to be very, very careful of. And you know, most of those, I would say that our little radar goes up and little red flags start to fly back and forth when we come across things like that. We know that they can sugarcoat them. They can make them look awfully good. But you know, there's a lurking danger that we have as investors. And it all boils down to cliche phrases and beliefs and basically just beliefs that have been embedded into our minds from previous generations. You know, as we age as a demographic, as we get older, we tend to have more life experiences and those life experiences teach us certain things. And when it comes to the world of investing, we know just if we look at the two traditional types of investing that can be done, stocks and or bonds, it's really interesting to me how many individuals will typically pick up and believe that stocks always outperform bonds. Now, just recently, I was reading a New York Times article written in the beginning part of May 2020 by a wonderful writer by the name of Jeff Summer. And Jeff did a really excellent job in his article of breaking down whether or not it was myth or fact that stocks always beat bonds. Now, we can say that it can be true from day to day or month to month that sometimes stocks will outperform bonds. But if you've been a listener of my show, you know how much I absolutely believe in the universe of bond investing. I believe in fixed income investing in general. And his article went on to really examine since the turn of the century, since 2000 to 2020, 20 years later, whether or not it was really true that stocks have outperformed bonds. Now, I want you to keep in mind that this is including what the market has done from 2009, when the market was down roughly 60 plus percent 
all the way to, we'll just say, February of 2020. 20 years later, one of the largest 10, 11-year cyclical bull markets within a secular bear. He compared bonds, all sorts of different kinds of bonds, to the S&P 500, the Fortune 500 index. And here's what he discovered. He discovered that if we annualize the return, if we even take dividends and we reinvest those dividends back into the stocks that we own, the S&P 500 over this 20-year period had annualized returns of 5.4%. Now, that's not bad. I'll take 5% on my money anytime you give it to me. But now let's compare and let's contrast bonds. So let's look at the duration of a long treasury bond. We're talking just a 10-year treasury, a government bond. Well, guess what? Over that same period of time, the 10-year treasury annualized return was 8.3%. Long investment grade corporate bonds. These are the really good ones. They averaged 7.7%. Even junk bonds, junk bonds that are considered to be very high risk, did better at 6.5%. Now, what's the point? What's the takeaway? What am I to understand from this information that Jeff is relaying to us? Well, the reality is this. First and foremost, just because something had been true in the past doesn't mean that it's true today. Now, 20 years is an awful long period of time. But now let's start to dig in and understand why was he able to find the information and prove what he did? Well, it's not because he was trying to be more pro-bond than pro-stock. The reality is, is that Jeff was looking and comparing side-by-side the S&P 500, the Fortune 500 index, reinvesting of dividends of those same stocks and comparing it to the bonds. And you see, here's the thing. The reason that the stocks didn't perform as well as the bonds is because when we think about what's happened to us in the stock market since the turn of the century, my firm belief is that we've been involved in a secular bear market. If you have questions about today's discussion, I'm going to encourage you to reach out to me. Call our office at 866-290-3837. My staff will put together some educational materials that I know will be of value to you, and we'll email them to you or we'll mail them if you prefer. If you have questions, we will do our best to answer them for you. Take the first step. Reach out at 866-290-3837. Again, that's 866-290-3837. And what is a secular bear market? A secular bear market, historically, is a time frame in which the stock market is going to switch from a bull to a bear. Secular means long term. Now think about it. From 1982 to 2000, our stock market did extremely well. But in 2000, P.E. ratios were being pushed into the 40s. Stocks were extremely high. Even Alan Greenspan was commenting and testifying before Congress that there was irrational exuberance that was taking place. And investors that actually had some experience in the market they were all starting to feel uneasy because they saw what was happening to the tech market. And the walls of the balloon were getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And it was just a matter of time before the pin was going to poke the outside of that balloon. 
And when it did, the S&P 500 went from 2000 to 2003, losing 50%. That's gut-wrenching. That is an absolute disaster for a person who has been trying to save and work hard to accumulate money for savings. And why is it so damaging? It's so damaging that because when you lose 50% of something, now you have to make 100% before you can even break even. But despite the fact that the market lost 50%, then four years later in 2007, the market was back to where it was. It finally broke even seven years of literally no growth, just basically losing and then coming back. Now, when everyone thought it was over, when everyone thought that the worst was over and the danger was past, what happened next? Well, if you're shaking your head right now, it's because I believe you probably remember what we now call in history the Great Recession. And what was the Great Recession? The Great Recession was where we witnessed as investors, as Americans who were preparing for retirement, we watched the stock market lose over 60% in two and a half years. That was scary stuff. And it was even more gut-wrenching. Because you see, if you lose 50% and it takes 100% just to make it all back, now if you lose over 63%, now it's going to take a much larger amount of return just to break even again. And unfortunately, we didn't break even until about 2013 to 2014. Think about that. Think about the wealth that was there and then the wealth that disappeared and then they got the wealth back and then maybe you watched your wealth shrink again. You see, this is the reason why I am a proponent of fixed income. I am a proponent of making certain that you are truly diversified. That if you want to have money in the market, you're comfortable losing that money. And now we look around and we have just witnessed one of the fastest sell-offs where the S&P 500 has lost literally 35% in five to six weeks. Imagine from 2000 to 2003, it literally took three years to lose 50% and we lost 35 in six weeks. Do you see how much faster things are traveling, how much faster things start to erode and the wheels fall off the little red wagon and all of a sudden we are caught, we are caught. We absolutely are blindsided by what just happened. This is the reason why if you're working with a stockbroker, expect to be sold stocks. Why? Because stockbrokers are called stockbrokers for a reason. They sell what? That's right. You see, a true financial advisor, one that is a fiduciary, is going to be giving you advice not to put all your eggs in one basket, but rather to be diversified. Now, I know that for some of you, whether you're do-it-yourselfers and you're working with your own 401k, or potentially you are taking and you're investing on some online trading account, you say, but Matthew, I am diversified. You see, I have a little bit of large cap stock. I have a little bit of mid cap stock. I've got a little bit of small cap stock. I've got a little international. I've got some growth. I've got some value. Heck, I've even got a little bit of bond fund in there. But let's take just a minute or two to examine the fact that all of those things are typically going to be stock-liked in the way that they trade. 
In other words, when I buy a bond fund, I'm buying a bond fund because I want to be able to diversify some of my money, not having it all in common stock. So I buy the bond fund. I feel better. But at the end of the day, let me ask you, what is your number one goal when you retire? Isn't it to have more income than you could ever potentially need in retirement? If your answer is yes, then that means you're like a lot of my clients. And why do I ask the question the way that I do? Because you see, at the end of the day, if we have to ride a roller coaster in equities and we have to endure all of the stress and the anxiety that comes with the stress of the market moving up or moving down, responding to this headline or responding to that fact or whatever is happening in America economically or financially or healthcare wise, why would I also want to double down? potentially putting my money into bond funds where I had no steady stream of interest. And if I wanted money from those bond funds, I had to end up selling shares to get the income. In other words, selling principal. And I encourage all of you as listeners, if you have questions, please go to our website, www.johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, W-I-M stands for Wealth Income Management dot com and post your question to us. Reach out to us. Let us know what kind of topics you'd like to hear us discuss on each episode every Saturday morning. I want to encourage you to stick with me as we're going to discover why those bonds that Jeff Summers is telling us about within his New York Times article simply were one of the better performing things compared to to the equities market, and if you're going to invest for income, how to do it the right way. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Would you take your grandchildren out for ice cream and try to pay for it using your stock certificates? No, that would be ridiculous. Instead, you would use your income. So why then do so many retirees make one of the biggest financial mistakes? dipping into their savings instead of relying on income during retirement. The good news? It's completely avoidable. To learn more about the Retirement Income Store, call your local Retirement Income Specialist, Matthew Johnson of Johnson Wealth and Income Management at 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. Investing in the stock market these days is like riding a roller coaster. One minute you're moving up slow and steady just the way you like it, and then all of a sudden, your investment portfolio is in a free fall, up 800 points, down 800 points. It can be very scary. A lot of people no longer gamble with their retirement in the stock market. If you are tired of the ride and want to look at safer options or would like to learn a better way to grow your money during these times, call 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. Or visit johnsonwim.com. That's johnsonwim.com. And welcome back to the Capitalized Life and Retirement Show. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson, president and owner of Johnson Wealth and Income Management. Hope you're having a fantastic morning. 
Remember that this episode is powered by the Retirement Income Store, the place that retirees go for income. Well, if you're just joining us, thank you so much for taking a portion of your morning to join us. And if you're still with us, thank you so much for sticking this out because we are dealing with one of the best articles that I've read in a very long time. This was coincidentally from the New York Times, and it was a journalist by the name of Jeff Summer. And Jeff was really kind of taking a little bit of time to really break down whether or not the understanding or the belief that stocks always outperform bonds was actually true. And what he discovered was that it wasn't true. Yes, it could be said that for many parts of the United States from many, many, many years ago, that stocks were something that did occasionally and traditionally beat bonds. But you know what? The world that we live in is so much different today than the world that we have lived in 30, 40 years ago. And the reality is this. I really don't care if something has been true. I want to know what is true for me today. And so he goes through and he shows how really when we compare the stock market to the bond market, even when comparing the stock market, the S&P 500, the Fortune 500 index to long-term treasury bonds, how annualized, even reinvesting the dividends of the stocks in the S&P, where that annualized a return of 5.4% when long-term government bonds returned 83 Long-term investment-grade corporate bonds, 7.7. Junk bonds, 6.5. So when we're thinking about how to invest our money, we obviously want to be diversified, right? And here's the thing. We have to be very, very careful of making sure that if we're going to be working with a professional, the number one, that professional has the area of expertise that we're looking for help in. What do I mean by that? Well, the first thing is, is that if you came to, say, many of the large wholesale firms of stocks and you know their names are on every corner, the reality is, is that it really doesn't matter if you're 12 years of age, 22 years of age, 52 years of age, or 82 years of age. They're going to say that they can help you. They will take your money. They will invest, right? However, When it comes to, say, fixed income investing versus investing in equities, it is very, very difficult to be the very best at both of those worlds. And this is the reason that I make such a big deal with my clients that if they're looking to focus on more conservative income-based investments, that they work with an advisor, number one, that is a fiduciary, and number two, someone who has the skills and someone that has the experience of working solely in the fixed income market. Now, for do-it-yourselfers, it can be pretty daunting, right? You have a 401k and you only have so many different mutual funds or index funds that that custodian is going to give you. And you can say, well, I'm going to buy some growth funds and I'm going to buy some bond funds. But just before the break, we outlined the fact that if your goal is to get income, you want pure income. You do not want to have to sell shares like you have to do within a bond mutual fund. So what makes a bond fund different than a bond? Well, when you buy a bond, you essentially have two guarantees, right? And these guarantees are always subject to default. But the reality is that when I buy a bond, that bond is going to pay me a fixed 
steady stream of interest. And that interest is not going to fluctuate. It's not going to vary based upon whatever is happening within the market. So think of it in the same way that you would think about a rental home. If you have a rental home and you have a tenant and the tenant has signed a lease agreement, that means that despite the value of your rental home, whether it goes up, whether it goes down, whether it stays the same, it doesn't matter. Your rent that you're getting every month stays the same. A corporate bond, a government bond does the exact same thing. So if I end up buying a 5% paying bond, it's going to pay me 5%. And you say, okay, but 5% of what? Great question. So within the world of fixed income, we have these things called par, par value. We've talked about the preservation and the protection of par. So PAR, par is basically what the bond is issued for when it comes to market. So if I bought a bond, the day that it was issued, I'm probably going to be buying that bond at par, $1,000. That's what it got issued as. Now, that 5% is always going to be based on that par. Now, the second guarantee, if I hold my bond to maturity, and maturities are going to be different, so every bond may have a different maturity. I might have some bonds in my portfolio that mature in a, in a couple of years, like a CD. I might have some bonds that mature in five years, some that mature in seven years, some that mature in 10 years. But we want to keep a relatively reasonable duration in our bonds. But if I hold that bond to maturity, now here's the magic. The magic is, is that that bond is going to mature. And when it does, I'm going to get my $1,000 back. You see, when you're buying stocks, you have no guarantee, do you? None. That means you could buy a stock. It could be worth $10. It could go to $20 and then it could fall back to $8. You have no guarantee of what that stock is going to do, which direction it's going to do. You have no guarantee on the dividend that it produces for you. So if you have questions about today's discussion, you have questions that you want to have answered with regards to something that we discussed, I'm going to encourage you do the right thing and reach out to me at 866-290-3837. My team will put together some materials for you that I know will be of value and we'll email them to you or we'll toss them in the mail if you prefer. If you have questions, I will do my very best to spend a few moments to answer those questions for you. So take the first step. Reach out to us at 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. Right now, during all of this COVID-19, companies are absolutely struggling to try to figure out where they're going to cut corners because they haven't been able to have the revenue that they were used to having. So what's one of the very first things that some of these companies are doing? They're cutting their dividend. That's the reason that fixed income is so reliable and so steady. And you see, when he's looking at potentially a bond fund and saying, well, you know, you could do a bond fund. Well, I would disagree. I would say, yes, a bond fund is definitely safer than a stock fund. No question about that. But at the end of the day, do you really want to sell shares in order to get income? And the answer is no. You want to buy an income producing asset like the bond, and you want to be able to get a steady, reliable stream of income without having to fuss and worry and lose sleep over whether you're having to sell that share at a loss 
in order to get the income and cannibalize your principal. Now, is there some other types of avenues that you can go? Of course there is. There's an entire universe of fixed income investments out there. We could look at something as humble as the preferred stock. Preferred stocks are beautiful things and they're pretty boring, but most of my clients like boring. And what is a preferred stock? Well, a preferred stock is definitely a stock, but it's very bond-like in its performance. And what this means is that when you buy the preferred, that preferred stock is going to have a par, just like the bond did. It's just going to be a lot smaller. And so when we have a preferred stock, we know that our dividend is fixed. We know that our dividend is always fixed on par, in this case, $25. And we know that if they ever call that preferred, just like the bond had to return its money, the preferred does the same. Now, let me give you a personal example of this. You know, I've been a financial advisor for 23 years, and I'm not going to say that, you know, I know how to hit it right every single time, but I've been in the fixed income market for a very long time, and I've learned a few things. And one of the biggest things that I've learned is that with fixed income, you have one rule, and that's to buy it right. And what does that mean? Well, it means that if you're going to be buying a bond, you want to buy a bond that's a good quality bond, right? A bond that you know is going to be able to pay the interest to you. Otherwise, why own the bond? And number two, if you're buying preferreds, that you want to buy them at a discount as well, meaning you're buying it for less than $25. You know, this volatility that's been hitting us within this market where we saw the common stock market lose 35% in five to six weeks. That has scared many of you. It has caused a great deal of anxiety and uncertainty for you, what you're going to experience in the future. And so many investors are thinking that there's going to be another wave, that we will likely have another bout of volatility. And I believe that exact same thing. I agree with you that that's likely to happen. But volatility is your friend when it comes to fixed income investing. Why? Because when there's volatility and uncertainty, and all of a sudden people start to sell, they sell indiscriminately. They sell precipitously. They start to just get rid of everything because they are so frightful. And when they do, even fixed income can experience volatility. But here's the thing. If you're in fixed income, remember that the value or the price of your assets doesn't upset your apple cart. It doesn't change how much income you're getting and receiving from those fixed income securities. Just to give you an example, back in 2008, I remember buying preferreds that were discounted down as low as $20. Some even went $18. Now, if you do the math on that, what you realize is that I'm getting paid a substantially higher dividend than I would if I bought it at $25. And why is that? Because let's say that I was actually holding this bond or this preferred and I bought it at a discount. Well, if I bought my bond for less than a thousand or I bought my preferred for less than 25 and that bond matures or that preferred is called, now I get my thousand dollars back. Now I get $25 back. And did I pay that amount for that preferred or for the bond? No. I bought it at a discount. So that means that I made a capital gain when it got called or when it matured. Just to give you an example, let's say that I bought a bond at $850 and I held that bond all the way to maturity. 
Well, when it matures, I get a thousand bucks back. Well, because I bought it for $850, but I got paid a thousand, I just made a 17.5% capital gain. So you see, this is the reason that fixed income is such a good diversification because it is uncorrelated to the stock market in many respects. But number two, it serves a purpose in providing me income, income that I can spend or income that I can save and reinvest and grow my net worth. And if I'm mathematical enough in my strategy and I buy my fixed income at a discount, now I'm able to also capitalize and getting capital gains when these things mature. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but I hope I stimulated some thought and really got you to thinking about the fact that you can't always believe what you hear. When people say stocks always outperform bonds, think twice and look at the facts, and you'll find that fixed income is a very worthy opponent when it comes to equities. Here's my offer to you. I will be willing to take a few minutes out of my day to have a discussion with you about how fixed income may indeed help you on your road to success in retirement. Just give my office a call. The telephone number is toll-free, 866-290-3837. Thanks so much for listening, and remember, it's up to you to make today a great day. Thanks for listening to the Capitalized Life and Retirement Program with Matthew Johnson. Brought to you by the Retirement Income Store. To schedule 15 minutes with Matthew, call 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. Or visit johnsonwim.com. That's johnsonwim.com. 